It's like a little script of two or three things to start a conversation. People can use it who have maybe a micromanagement, uh, micromanager as a boss. You can use it to shift a conversation with your boss, or leaders can use it to shift uh, you know, a tone within a team. So it's really tools for people can use really in both directions, as a leader and as a, you know, a follower, if you will, uh, someone who follows a leader. But wait, there is more. Yes, there is more because you're going to hear me today as I drill down in asking these tough questions as far as when, where, how. All of this is going to be unpacked today as you listen to your delightful host, the great interviewer himself, the one who is able to drill deep and ask the right questions because not everybody can do this. Only your trained and extremely talented and delightful podcast host like myself can do. And that's why you're going to stay tuned because you're going to get what it is you come from. Yes, my friend. Yes, my friend. My friend, my friend, my friend. We get a street Oh, yeah. So we are going to dig into that and you're going to hear more of that. So stay tuned. Make sure that you're strapped in as we get ready for blast off. So here we go. Welcome to the Kingsley Grant Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. Kingsley believes his leadership paradigm, emotelligence, the art of succeeding where others failed, is the key to achieving this status. On this show, Kingsley guides you through the uncharted waters of emotional intelligence and leadership essentials, with the guarantee that upon exit, you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kings LeGrand, sitting behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another show. And it is from the show that's been voted number three on the top 15 podcasts on emotional intelligence by Spot. And so I am excited that you are listening to one of the top shows right now. And I'm in the command center of the Emotelligent Leadership Institute, where I'm going to dig into the vault and get today's show so that what you've come for, you will have. So let me reach in right here and get today's show. There it is. I got it. I got it. And put it down right here. And now we can dive into today's show. And on today's show, we are going to talk about a tool that could transform your leadership like none other. Now, I know sometimes when you hear the idea that there's one tool, you're wondering, okay, are you saying there is only one tool? No, 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 no. However, in this episode, you're going to hear about a tool that possibly you've not heard about that could truly transform your leadership. And here's, a, here's a, the, the clincher. It transforms it 
even during times of massive discomfort. How do you like that? Not just in smooth sailing time when everything seems to be so kosher and nothing is happening, your boat's not rocking and the wind is not blowing and the storm is not coming in your business or with your people. And so it's easier during those times to show up and your leadership is looking like nobody can touch this, right? You can't touch this kind of leadership. However, what happens when you're in crisis? What happens when you are in a pandemic? What happens when you are in a time of turnovers and transition and mergers? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today with our guest, who's going to give us a tool that works for all those situations I've just outlined. But I won't steal his thunder. I'll let him share with you in a few moments what that one tool is. Before we get there, let me say thank you so much for joining me on the show. If this is your first time, a big thank you. Thank you for joining us, and I hope this will be not the first and last, but the first of many, okay? Counting on that to happen. If this is your second, third, fourth, fifth, or umpteenth time, you know the drill. Thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. And one last thing is just a reminder that this show is being brought to you by Kingspire Communication, where we help leaders get better results, have better relationship building capacity, being better at work performance, and being better at decision-making. We do that through our keynote speaking, training, and coaching. So if you are interested in that, head over to kingsleygrant.com, kingsleygrant.com, and connect with us, and we can go from there. Well, now, my friend, would you help me welcome our guest to the show? And put your hands together and welcome Mr. Krister Ungerbaugh. Thank you for joining me on the Kings of Grand Show, where emotional intelligence and leadership skills intersect. This show is designed for leaders who want to know what works and what doesn't work in today's workplace. Today, we have a special guest on the show. His name is Krister Ungerbach. Let me tell you a few things about Krister, and we'll fill in the rest as we go. Krister is a leadership communication expert, keynote speaker, and former CEO of a global tech company. His work has appeared in NPR, Forbes, Inc., HR.com, Chief Executive, Recruiter.com, and Entrepreneur. Prior to exiting corporate life at age 42, Christer was CEO of one of the largest family-owned software companies in the world. While leading the company to over 3,000% growth, his team won five consecutive top award workplace awards, achieved remarkable employee engagement levels of 99.3%, and became a dominant player in its market niche. His book, 22 Talk Shifts, Tools to Transform 
leadership in business, in partnership, and in life helps people build better bosses and become one by shifting their words. Christopher, welcome to the show today. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be here. Looking forward to this. So, Christopher, here's a question I ask all my guests. So, making sure that you're not seen as a robot. The question we ask is, where in the world is Christopher today? St. Louis. St. Louis. <laughs> you said not to sound like a robot. I know. So you did a great job. I appreciate that. That's a great job. <laughs> So is there a particular region of St. Louis that you are from? Uh, I live in the suburbs, St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, okay, cool. So, Christopher, suppose someone should come to the suburb of St. Louis, Missouri. What is a yep. must-see or a must-do and a must-taste that you would recommend? So a must-do and a must-see is the same thing. There's a hiking trail that you get uh, um, views over the Missouri River called the Lewis and Clark Trail, and the must-eat uh, is a restaurant called Annie Guns right down the street from where I live. Oh, really? Is there a special menu item that you would suggest that uh, would be on that, that restaurant? They have, uh, they have steaks, and they have this bacon chutney that you can put on the steak, uh, and, uh, and they also have this uh, a really amazing potato pancake. Ooh, potato pancake. Yeah. Oh, wow, I've never... Tasted that before, so I guess uh, that'd be something on my to do my bucket list. I must taste potato pancake, and St. Louis sounds yeah. to be the place for that. So, so um, when I hear the idea of uh, this restaurant, for example, um, Christopher, apparently someone has done a great job in getting that word out that this is a restaurant to be. And obviously, when I hear that, I'm thinking of someone was intentional, someone who had put this whole thing together as a leader, right? So that's what comes to my mind immediately when I hear why you would recommend this place. So when you hear the word leader or leadership, what comes to your mind? Well, a different thing comes to mind today than what would have come to mind like five or 10 years ago when I was a CEO of a software company. It's, uh, today, uh, the thing that comes to mind is inspiring followership, mm where leadership is less about the leader and it's more about the choice of those who choose to follow. Uh, Ten years ago, I would have said leadership is about creating an inspiring vision that people want to follow. Mm. Um, And admittedly, the distinction that I find more currently is that I I feel we were very successful as a company and uh, I think I was successful as a leader because I created a vision that people were inspired to follow. I you know, my, my vision was to create a billion-dollar company in my lifetime, and I think a lot of really good people chose to follow, and we did a lot of really good things. We created $100 million in shareholder value. Um, but what I realized uh, on the kind of the last four years of the, my journey is that um, people weren't choosing to follow me. Mm. And when I, when, I, when I started studying leadership from a different lens, what I found is that the, the leaders who really, let's say, have the most quality of life, uh, but also who achieve the most remarkable results are the ones who have both a vision that inspires people to follow and they have a leadership style that inspires people to follow them as individuals. Um, and admittedly, I, uh, uh, I, was, uh, I, I had a lot to learn on the second, on the second point, um, and that was kind of what uh, led me to a, some rough times about four years ago. 
So if you you say a lot to learn, um, so it sounds like you were very self-aware that there's something that was going on that probably was not working the way that you were hoping it would. Would that be true? Um, well, so self-aware, so I want to jump in there. Like I thought I was very self-aware. The interesting thing is there's actually some research in Harvard Business Review that 95% of us think we're self-aware, yet only 10 to 15% of us actually are. Mm-hmm. So like many of your listeners, I thought I was, uh, I thought I was on that 10% of people who are self-aware, but, um, unfortunately I wasn't, I did, I, I, my heart was in the right place, but what I realized my words were not. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm really passionate about um, using, well, you, you, you talk about emotional intelligence and that was something I read books, you know, Daniel Goleman's emotional intelligence, probably in 1997 or something when it came out. And I read a bunch of other ones. I knew as an analytical leader who came from technology, that emotional intelligence wasn't something that came naturally to me. But I, so I read a bunch of books on it. The problem was I thought I was being emotionally intelligent, <laughs> but I wasn't. Um, and so over these past four years, I've really gone on a journey to come up with what is the, the language mm-hmm. so that people who – just a recipe for here's fill-in-the-blanks phrases that people can use to create emotional connection both at work and at home. And it's something that admittedly I was terrible at 10 years ago, five years ago. Even somebody would have never told me I was an emotionally intelligent person. And actually about a year and a half ago, somebody actually told me that. I've actually had multiple people tell me, hey, you have really good emotional intelligence. I was like, you should have met me five years ago. And it came down to language. It wasn't about the concept of what emotional intelligence is. I knew exactly what emotional intelligence is. In fact, I thought I was actually practicing it. But I didn't have the language to do so. And that's really what this book, Talk Shifts, is about. Mm -hmm. Emotional intelligence, there's two or three chapters with specific language to be more emotionally intelligent uh, and to create emotional connection. Uh, But there are other things uh, about more specific phrases to increase employee engagement and get employees to kind of be more committed to the solutions and projects that they're involved in. Um, And again, it's all about boiling it down to language. So a leader who is listening in right now um, and is in Christian, okay, you have made this shift. You have recognized there's some things that you had to do differently. And they're also struggling because they're not, are not getting the results they're looking for, right? I'm here. Are you suggesting then that they take a look at this aspect of languaging, the words, but also their own um, emotional intelligence. Would that be a suggestion that you're making that would help them possibly get a different outcome than they're getting right now? Yeah, I think it, it comes down to words. Like you know, We can say that we're emotionally intelligent, we can care about people, um, but for the most part, especially in a professional setting, 90% of what people are making their judgment about whether our heart is in the right place is based upon our words. Mm. Uh, I actually, uh, I was moderating a panel discussion of a bunch of CIOs of big companies about two months ago, and all of them uh, actually told stories about leaders that they worked for in their careers who were very difficult leaders. And then they had, oh, and and they had a similar story, and then they say, oh, and then I saw them in this one setting where they were compassionate. And in one case, it was like five years after the person had actually been working with for that leader, right? Well, the, the person's words were how he was making his, you know, his determination for the first five years. And then he saw the person in like a, you know, like in a, a nonprofit setting, caring for kind of underprivileged you know, people or something like that. 
And so his perspective of that person changed. Mm. Well, wow, wouldn't it have been really nice if she had had the words to demonstrate what was in her heart, that leader? Um, she happened to be one of those kind of very tough driving female leaders. Wouldn't it be better if she had had the words to demonstrate what's in her heart for the five years leading up to that moment when the leader kind of saw her compassionate side? And that's really what uh, what I'm all about is giving people concrete phrases. I guess even like training wheels. Like, you know, when you start riding a bike, you know, yeah. you use training wheels and then you take them off after, you know, you start to get comfortable. So these that's why I really break it down to use this phrase if you want to um, increase the commitment and autonomy of your employees use this question and it's like a little script of two or three things to start a conversation people can use it who have maybe a micromanagement uh, micromanager as a boss mm -hmm. you can use it to shift a conversation with your boss or leaders can use it to shift uh, you know a tone within a team so it's really tools for people can use really in both directions as a leader and as a you know, a follower, right. if you will, uh, someone who follows a leader. You know, I like I like one of the phrases that came out in our introduction, and I kind of thought smile and chuckle when I read it, where it build better bosses, right? So it's almost like yes. that person have an opportunity that if they have a boss that they may not necessarily like or want to end up, they can have a a way of changing or somehow building a boss that they want. Is that your the idea behind that phrase? Well, it's really, it means, so the typically say, uh, in the book, I said, build better bosses and become one. So HR people, have, you know, they think of it as leadership development or leaders who have, you know, lead teams of 50 or more. Think about how do I build better bosses below me? But it is equally for someone who works and has a troubled relationship with their current boss, you can build a better boss out of your current one mm -hmm. using your words. So a big part of the book is, you know, when, when people can actually take, there's a talkshift.com slash quiz. It's a free quiz. And what happens is it will evaluate your, your uh, communication style. And then it will actually, you'll get some sample chapters. But the key part is you can share those sample chapters with your boss to start. So like, hey, chapter 13, lead people to their solutions, not yours. You can have a conversation with your boss about how we come up with solutions to problems and maybe some different ways so that your boss is maybe not the person who solves all of your problems for mm -hmm. you, but rather allows the whole team to kind of weigh in with some solutions. And, uh, and then we also have, you know, there's some other things that you can get like sample scripts and emails that you can actually use to have a conversation with your boss or your spouse or your child or anyone to actually start a talk shift. You know, I, that's very interesting, and I appreciate you sharing that, uh, Christian, because I think that sometimes people feel very stuck, and they feel like what they have, they always will have, which really can create for them a set of, like, you know, demotivation. It just causes them to, yep. like, I don't want to be engaged, because if my boss is who or she, he or she is, why even bother? I'm going to show up and do my stuff, but you're saying it doesn't have to be that way that person can actually create an environment more suitable to what they would like to see. And that, of course, creates a win-win for both both parties. Now, it's not like you have made a shift yourself because you mentioned if I'd asked this question five or ten years ago, you would say something <laughs> different, right? So you've made a shift yourself. So I wonder in your life, Christian, as you have gone through the process of leading but also being led and seeing other leaders in your life, who would you say that um, have had the greatest impact in your life that even c cause you to, at this point, making a shift, right? And 
who that person might be. And if you were to give an award or a trophy, that's the person you would give to give that to. How, who and why? Well, what are those trophies that they give to like the people that like have the worst ads or whatever? I mean, like there's the negative trophies, like the <laughs> yes. I, I you know, so it's like the person, unfortunately, that I would give the trophy to, but it would be one of these kind of ironic, you know, not good trophies uh, on the on the opposite, the negative end of the spectrum. Unfortunately, would be my father. Mm. So I worked for a family-owned software company. Uh, I, I I worked outside of the business for a number of years and had some success, and then I joined him. And, it, and he, I call him my first and worst boss. Mm. Uh, so if we had a terrible relationship, uh, kind of going back to even like my teenage years, and admittedly he was that kind of boss where I felt stuck, like, oh, he's never going to change. And the interesting thing with this talk shift uh, quiz is we have 150,000 data points, and this has been probably one of the biggest parts of my own shift, is – and we ask people, do you have a frustrating relationship in your life? And then we ask them who that, what that person is. Um, and so here's the thing. We're able to predict with a pretty high degree of accuracy whether people have a frustrating relationship in their life based on your words. Mm. We always think that it's the other person's <laughs> words, right? But so here's the thing. Here's the, it gives us hope. That if I can predict that you have a frustrating relationship in your life based on your words, nothing to do with the other person's words, then doesn't that also give us hope that maybe shifting that frustrating relationship is simply about shifting our words? Mm-hmm. It's totally in our control. And so fundamentally, this is what happened. I, I did transform my relationship with my father, a 30-year and he was my boss as well, uh, no longer my boss because I decided to leave the company because of the frustrations. And what we found is, or what I found is it was very much, it was about shifting my own words. And interestingly, the, the biggest shift in the, our relationship came when I read him an early draft of the book about a year and a half ago. And, and, and what, what, one of the reasons I kind of rewrote the book in the last year and a half is, as I saw that this book is a framework when two people experience it together that it can actually shift their relationship. Mm. That's one of the reasons why I send these a lot of these sample chapters for free and say, share it with your boss. Use this tool today. You don't even have to buy the book. Use this tool with your spouse, uh, with your boss, or someone in your life. And then if that one works, then I'm pretty sure that you might find the other 22 <laughs> talk shifts or 21 or however many I've left uh, will, will help as well. So. so, so your dad kind of taught you then what not to do to some degree when you, as a leader, when you became that. So, in a sense, you could almost say thank you, dad, for the gift he gave you in that regards, because it has allowed you to have a lens through which to look at leadership, but to look at business and look at connection and engagement. And I'm here, you're saying that possibly that relationship did not produce those things. You were not as engaged and probably as highly, you know, using your skill sets as you would like to, because if you don't have a great relationship, then toxicity comes up, right? Lower um, engagement happens, lower productivity, and people just show up to work, not to fulfill their best life, so to speak. So in a sense, from him, these things are, have come where you have realized, wait a minute, if I'm going to help people do the opposite there must be a shift. And you're saying that has come through language in, but you also said something that is interesting, um, Christa, you said that there is possibly some best practices that could be used or can be used that can not only create great business, but also create great families. So you had a family situation. What might be those? 
uh, best practices? Well, so so one, I wanted like so my father was my what I for many years thought was my toxic boss, right? And then this is we worked together for twenty years, so not when I was a teenager. I thought he was you know obviously like most teenagers, I thought he was like ah he's <laughs> yeah. terrible, yeah. But uh, uh, we'll take that part out. So the so but what I realized in the journey is that there are no toxic bosses, mm. there are no toxic people. There's only toxic communication between two people. Okay. And so we I created that toxic communication just as much as he did. You know, whether it was a 50-50 split or 40-60, him 40, me 60, whatever, or him, whatever, the vice versa, that's irrelevant. But we equally created that situation. And so when I created this book, what, what, so I, I was a successful male, you know, executive. I didn't, you know, my, we kind of the the shift happened when I was I found myself at the YMCA signing up for a gym membership four years ago. The woman asked me, "Who's your emergency contact?" And I broke down crying mm. because I had no one. Wow. I had left. I had walked out on the CEO job of the company that I'd helped build and loved. And two weeks later, my wife walked out on me. Mm. And I'd started reading business books when I was twelve years old. And I was like, what did I do wrong? What, what, I, I've read hundreds, if not thousands of business books. And here I am, a leader with no followers. And so I set aside all the business books. I didn't read a single business book for four years. And I went, looked everywhere outside. A lot of the things I did was really looking like marriage counseling and family counseling, a lot of new age kind of you know thinking. But I always had my CEO leader hat on, like, what's the business benefit of these things? And what I found is that a lot of the language that they were using with very small, subtle changes could be applied to business relationships equally as well. I'm sure you're familiar with Dr. Gottman. I saw your background. Uh, so one of the things that struck me on that journey is, you know, keep in mind, I walked out of my job, my wife. So I was reading a lot of Dr. Gottman. He's, you know, uh, one of the largest, uh, one of the most respected researchers on marriage and divorce. And he predicts divorce with four specific factors based on watching a 20-minute video of a couple talking and having an argument, mm -hmm. right? Interestingly, those four factors would have predicted every single business breakup mm -hmm. in my entire career. Mm -hmm. it, would have, it, it, it predicted the relationship frustrations with my father, senior executives I'd fired, salespeople who had left, taking customers to competition. All of these were predicted by Gottman's same framework for predicting divorce. And so I started looking at how, what can we learn from this and – being a CEO who grew up in a family business, um, I felt that one of the unique things that I could bring to the world is a set of leadership tools, specifically leadership language tools, that could leaders could use not only to become better leaders and create emotional connection with employees, but use it to create more emotional connection with their spouses and their children. Mm. And that is why the, the title is Tools to Transform Leadership in Business in Partnership and in Life. You know, Chris, I really appreciate you going there. And again, I, I share your own personal story and your journey. I think that's very, very important for us because sometimes we don't hear that side of what leadership looks like. We don't hear that. And that's so important, right? Because I think that Leadership is not just something you do when you show up to a workplace. I believe it's 24-7. That's on my, my thinking. Mm -hmm. I also believe that is not something you do. It's someone you are. That's one of my thinking as well. So yeah. when you said just now how it's interesting that even though your world seems to have been collapsing around you, right? which again, I appreciate um, you sharing that. 
But from that, so to speak, ashes, you were able to rise and you realize that this languaging, not only did it help you, but also your part that you played, especially with your dad, for example. Sometimes I find in the workplace, it's all finger pointing in one direction, either from top down or from down up, right? But you're shifting that and say, no, what if people were able to share responsibilities, take shared responsibility in what's happening? That could transform yeah. the workplace. That could lead to better connection and better commitment, as you describe, right? So what would you speak to that person who is now experiencing that kind of um, blaming where people are, are pointing fingers? And how would they shift? What kind of conversation? How would they transition to somehow help that environment being transformed um, through languaging? What would need to be said or done? To transform from blame to... Yeah, from the toxicity that came uh, has come about because of uh, pointing fingers is your fault, is a bad boss, is a bad worker, uh, is a toxic boss, is a toxic worker, right? How would yeah. they shift that conversation to somehow be more helpful for that company, for that uh, organization, that workplace? Well, I mean, I think it's always, I, as a leader, and I think this is one thing that made us successful, is I always, while I wasn't very emotionally intelligent, I always wondered, well, how did I contribute to this situation? Um, and even with my father, my relationship with my father, like uh, not it not working for many years, I was constantly trying new things to try to say, okay, maybe I communicated it differently. Uh, and as you know, as an emotional intelligence expert, one aspect of emotional intelligence is impulse control. So I could just, I would get angry at sometimes with my father and I just couldn't control my impulses. So as much as I intellectually wanted to uh, communicate more more effectively, I couldn't. And, and my father was just as bad with controlling his emotional impulse as well. So I think that the first time was just saying, how could I have contributed to this situation? Like a micromanagement is a great example. My boss is a micromanager. How could I have contributed to the situation? And there's specific phrases in the book to kind of get through this specific situation. But how could I have contributed to the situation? Well, what if maybe the reason my boss is a micromanager is because he doesn't trust that I can do that aspect of the job well? Mm. So let's have a conversation about that. It may be that the reason that my boss doesn't trust that I can do the job well Maybe because he's afraid. Maybe he's afraid of losing his job if the job isn't if that specific task is not done 100% perfectly. Of course, bosses are people too. He may have some. He or she may have some perfection issues they need to sort out. Mm. However, equally likely, if not more likely, is the fact that your performance is lacking in some specific area, and your boss maybe isn't comfortable telling you. Mm. So, micromanagement mm. is. 50% likely that maybe the boss has some things they need to work on with their perfectionism or control habits. And 50% it's possible that it's your performance. And so in the book, in chapter nine, it's called the uh, how to give an autonomy raise instead of a pay raise. Um, I give specific conversation templates that bosses can have conversations with their teams about autonomy and kind of get to the other side of this micromanagement, but also where people who feel like they work for a micromanager can open a conversation. And of course, it's one of those chapters that I give away for free so that you could just forward it to that micromanager um, uh, or print it out and anonymously leave it on their desk <laughs> uh, and, uh, and start, to, start to create a conversation, a shift mm -hmm. in, uh, in that relationship at work. 
And I would suggest that you wear uh, some some gloves when you're putting that on that person's desk so that their fingerprints are, yes. <laughs> are left on that. So, you know, you mentioned three things. That, oh, go ahead. Th- I want to say, like, I know that sounds like, why would I send something to my boss? But that's where these things, the, the, the emails and conversation templates come in, will also give you ways to introduce, like specific words to say, hey, boss, here's, you know, so that you can actually introduce these articles in a way that feels. So what we're trying to do is give you the tools to transform relationships both at work and at home, and the only thing that's left that you need is the courage to do so. Mm. So I, I, if you're not if, – if you're like, oh, he's never going to change, and I just want to sit in my victimhood, and I'm never going to do anything, or I can't do it because you know, uh, I, I'm afraid to, then – well, there are some chapters in the book that hopefully will give you that courage, but – I can't do anything for yeah. you in that regard. Mm-hmm. But all it takes, I mean, if it's as simple as sending an email, like are you going to get fired for sending an email sharing a chapter about how to have more autonomy with your boss? Probably not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we're afraid of the conversation, and that's why I give people a specific template for how to have the conversation both to the boss or the spouse or the parent or the child. And the employee. So there's always in all these relationships, there's always someone who feels afraid and someone who feels somewhat in like. So that's the dynamic that kind of I see is common across families and work. Mm. Some people are afraid of their wife. Some people are afraid of their husband. Many people are afraid of their parents. Mm -hmm. Right. So this same dynamic, if you're not going to step into the fear and create the courage to have a conversation with your boss, how are you going to find the courage to have a conversation with your spouse mm. or a child? Mm. These skills cross both aspects of life. You know, I, I like the fact um, that, that I wrote these three questions down. As I heard to you, um, Chris, or you mentioned first and foremost is look at the question, you know, how, how did I or how am I contributing to whatever it is I'm experiencing. So that's a personal responsibility. We've got to do that. And the second question you said, um, what else might be another explanation, so to speak, of what's happening? Because number one, the first interpretation of in our mind is going to be biased towards ourselves and it's someone else's fault, right? So, that, But you're shifting to say, no, well, what else might be another explanation? And you gave some good examples of what might be happening in that boss's life and so on. And then the third part was have that conversation and which you're helping us and helping that uh, leader and whoever it is to know how to have that conversation in a manner that's more productive, constructive, and of course, and helpful. So I appreciate that. But I think you also, which you mentioned, and I, I want to give this chance for you to t- talk a little bit more about this idea, a, a leader or someone who's interested in finding out more about this can start with what you have on your website uh, talkshift.com slash quiz, they can take a quiz and that will be the entry point I'm hearing in beginning to experience what it is you've discussed so far. Would that be a safe place to start? Yeah, because what we do is we tailor the chapters that we share with you based upon your responses to the quiz. So rather than saying, you know, if if, if we weren't going to tailor and give you the shortcuts that were going to help you, then we just say, well, read the whole book right. and read all 22 talk shifts. So the purpose of the quiz is, uh, and interestingly, even though it's a, a lot of it is a business communication quiz, um, over 65% of the responses actually say that the relationship or communication they want to improve is with a spouse or a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually uh, – and, and so 
what we find is that uh, when I do keynotes, I find people come after, up to me after the keynotes and like the first person says, I can't wait to practice this with my kids. <laughs> and I said, well, what about at work? I'm like, oh, I don't feel so safe, mm-hmm. you know, doing it at work. I'll practice it with my kids and then when I get better at it, I'll bring it to work. And the next person comes up and says, I can't wait to practice this with my team at work. I said, well, what about at home? Ooh, I don't know if I feel comfortable at home. So practice it where you feel comfortable, but just make a commitment to have the courage to take it into the area of your life where you're afraid to use it. Yeah, so that's where it is. Like we, we all feel safe. Some feel more safe, especially leaders tend to feel more safe at work, mm-hmm, right? Because yeah. these people report to me. Right. I can practice all these tools and like, oh, but you, you want to talk about your wife, talk to your wife or your husband differently? Oh, no, 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 no. That's too risky. I don't feel comfortable there. Um, so, so that, that's really why the kind of the, I, I think the most innovative thing about the book is being able to s- context switch and use these two aspects of life to allow people to find their way to their shift in whatever way is most comfortable for them. I like that. It's, you're not forcing a person to take that and have to do it in an environment that you're saying they should. You're saying wherever it feels safer for them, start with that and become their, their practice ground and then take that out someplace else if they want to. And I want to mention this, that you um, you have a website called Christer.com. Um, so would, and you have, of course, TalkShift.com as well. Which of this website would you prefer a person to go to as a place to start to connect with you and to learn more about these things you've shared? So the Christer.com is really my keynote speaking. So if somebody is you know, looking to hire a speaker to come in and create a shift in their organization as a whole, that's where you'll find it. But if you're looking to get the tools okay. personally for you, I would go to TalkShift.com slash quiz. That's the best place to start. Okay. So TalkShift.com slash quiz. And Krista.com is K-R-I-S-T-E-R dot com is where you want to go for to connect with Krista, where you want keynote speeches or training to be done. And if you're on social media, let me recommend, encourage you to go to LinkedIn and just um, LinkedIn is Krista U, K-R-I-S-T-E-R-U. And you can connect with him there and also engage even more and continue the conversation. So, uh, Chris, we're coming down to the end of our talk here today, and I really appreciate your vulnerability. I appreciate the fact that you have also given us some tools, and the book has a lot more, but you have given us a start, uh, a taste, a teaser that we can use to actually want more of. So, again, I appreciate that. And if we, uh, as we wrap up here, would there be any last word that you may want to leave with the audience? I know you've done a lot. You've, you've deposited so much so far. But if there's something I could have asked or said that you may have wanted to share, what would that be? And then we'll wrap it up with that. You know, I, it's hard. There's 22 talk shifts. We talked about two of them. So, you know, if we didn't have three more hours, <laughs> I think maybe we let, let's just leave it there. Go to TalkShift.com slash quiz. Take the quiz. Get the free chapters. And start a talk shift in your life. And I think that uh, that is uh, that's probably the most concise way to And the, to say the it. free chapter, chapter nine, is also at talkshift.com. Uh, if you take the quiz, then you'll get you'll get you. that in the emails that follow up. Awesome. Christian, what a delight. Uh, I thank you so very much for taking the time today out of your busy schedule to be with us and really helping us understand a little bit more about shifting, but also the language in of what we can use to have better relationships both at home and also at work. So 
Thank you for this, and uh, we do appreciate it. Thank you. And there you have it, my friend. I I hope that as we promised to talk about that one tool, and as you heard Krister sharing how effective that is, right? The language in. How are you doing in this area? Do you find that you are choosing the right language? Are you getting the results you're hoping to to get? Or are you falling short? I, I do think that if you follow this prescription that Christer outlined, you will have better results. I, I do believe that the results you're getting right now would be greatly enhanced. And hey, try it and see. Just don't take my word for it or just Christers. Experiment and see what happens. And we love to hear what it is, what you did and what happened. So can I encourage you to reach out to Christer if you need keynote speaking or actually to take a quiz. I mean, that's a great idea, a great place to start. Let me encourage you to go to the links he provided and it will also be available in the notes that follow the show. You can find that those links as well. But we will, we would be more than happy to assist you in any way possible. So reach out to us, comment, ask a question when this show is posted on social media and let us know what your thoughts are about this show today. So I look forward to hearing from you on that regards. And so does Christer as well. And my friend, I want to say to you, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now we have to put the show back into the vault, as you know, the drill, those of you who have been here for some time. So let's put this show back into the vault and then we can say our goodbye. So here we go. Here we go. There it is. Now that this show is put back into the vault, I can safely exit the command center of the Immotelligent Leadership Institute. And my friend, with that said, go and kingspire the world today. With that said, my friend, peace out. God bless. And I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah.